It's that time. Your fix is here. College football is a year-round discussion with these two. Here's J.C. and Morgan. Mike Morgan of ESPN and J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports have you covered. Beginning right now. And it is a good Monday morning to everybody out there. <clears throat> Excuse me, everybody. November the 13th is when we record this. Uh, every Monday morning is when we record this, as a matter of fact. Uh, right around 9.30 or so, and we welcome you back for another installment. I believe, if my math is correct, I believe this is number 220. 220, if you're archiving this uh, for the... DVD set that'll come out uh, makes a great Christmas gift. No, I don't think we actually have that in the plans or in the works, but maybe someday these will be uh, uh, in a, a museum somewhere. We look forward to that. We look forward to hearing from you, as always. Uh, chat Row is in full effect for those of you that listen and watch live, and we want to remind everybody... It's been uh, a couple of months now, but for those that have been listening since we originated this back in 2016... Uh, we are now a video format as well. We are now not just uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. We are also YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can see our smiling faces uh, each and every time. Uh, JC donning the uh, American hat, the kind of as a little salute to Veterans Day, perhaps. I'm, I'm guessing. Um, and uh, I always got a stadium behind me. And I picked the big house. I, sometimes I pick something that's a little more obscure, you know, like a smaller school that's been winning or something of that effect. I just picked the big house because Mich Michigan was going to be the epicenter of so much of what we talked about today and what the college football world would be talking about today. And we'll get to it, I promise. Uh, but And we'll get to the games that took place, I promise. But let's be honest, what has become a juicy, juicy subject line every November now in college football is coaches getting fired and coaches about to get fired and buyouts and coaching searches and candidates. And lo and behold, um, literally minutes before we signed on today, another SEC coach has uh, gotten the proverbial gas pipe and, of course, before that, the biggest one, in terms of uh, dollars anyway, got the gas pipe, and that's Jimbo Fisher. Zach Arnett, for those who have not heard, hasn't buzzed your phone just yet. Uh, Zach Arnett, the head coach of Mississippi State. It almost feels like if you're going to fire him 10 games in, it was almost like a, it was always an interim title or tag if you're going to do that. They're 4-6. and six. I mean, they haven't looked great, but I don't know. I... I Firing coaches after one year just, just seems like insanity, but uh, it's not completely unprecedented, and neither is firing coaches after two years, which some fan bases want to see at other SEC programs. It, it's crazy right now, J.C., uh, to use your favorite word, angst. Well, angst is out there running rampant. Um, I don't even know where to start on the Jimbo talk because inevitably what people are fascinated with is $76.8 million, give or take, give or take. Um, they just can't get by, they can't get past it. They they obsessed with that, that dollar figure. And again, if you've been listening to this show 
For years and years, there's an expression. We have a few of them that are quite common on J.C. and Morgan. And one of them is there's big money and then there's Texas oil money. And those Texas schools operate in a different financial landscape. Um, by now, I think most have figured it out. My my introduction to that was not doing games at Texas and Texas A&M, which I've done and I've seen it. It's, it's Everything is just so gaudy. It's bigger in Texas, et cetera, et cetera. You see it. But then even going to like TCU and going to Baylor and going to Texas Tech, you understand that it's the entire state that is just so rich in in finances for their particular athletic programs. So when you hear about, and every SEC fan base thinks that you know they they've got this big cat out there. That's that's the big dollar guy, right? We got money. We got it. You do, you do, you have money, but you don't have oil money in in all likelihood. So. Uh, I don't think they batted an eye. I don't think they um, really sweat this out, quite frankly. I, I, I just, I, I don't think so. I think the Ole Miss game was the nail in the coffin. And at that point, uh, Ross Bjork and company decided time to go. Uh, one other thing on this, because we talk a lot, JC, on this show and others about, you know, the, the, the coach, the hiring and firing process as it pertains to athletic directors. Scott Woodward was the guy that made this hire initially at A&M. He hired him. He signed, at the time, was the richest coaching contract with the richest buyout contract. He goes to LSU, tries to get Jimbo to go to LSU. Okay, Coach Kelly was not the first choice of LSU. You rarely get your first choice. Another thing that you learn when you talk about uh, we can get anybody. No, you can't. You can't. Every school has, has alums that think they can get anybody and think their job is better than it actually is. Uh, you, you can't always get who you want. So LSU swung and missed. So Woodward hired him. Woodward wanted to get him back. Bjork, after a 9-1 and COVID year of success, and I had one of those games. They barely beat Vanderbilt at home that year. That was not a great team. But they went 9-1 and in the COVID year. <clears throat> and that gave more leverage to Jimmy Sexton and more leverage to Jimbo to squeeze more money out, and then all of a sudden, get now it's a 10-year, $95 million deal, and the buyout's even bigger and bigger and bigger and so on and so forth. The point is, this is not... Uh, I was never a huge Jimbo guy, and if, if you've been listening, you know this. I, I didn't think... When you got him, he was exactly lighting the world on fire at Florida State. And friends of mine that are not only alums but but boosters at Florida State, they were like, "We can't get, we can't wait to get rid of him." All he does is complain about what we don't have. All he does is want more and more facilities, bigger and bigger checks, and took away Jameis Winston. What did you really get there in Tallahassee? So you got him, but we can all second guess the move now. You have two ADs that did everything they could to get them, keep them, poach them. You have other ADs if they if they had the prestige at their given programs and the checkbooks to to clear, they would have gone after Jimbo. This is not a somebody swung and missed on Jimbo. This is a Jimbo was coveted by everybody out there, like Tom Herman was coveted by everybody. The hot name, and very often the hot name falls flat. And so you don't look nearly like Ross Bjork and and Scott Woodward are smart 
dudes. They know what they're doing. They make good moves. They're, they're, they're savvy. But you could be really smart and still make a hire that fails. Jeremy Foley did it multiple times at Florida. Uh, some of the quote-unquote best ADs out there swing and miss. This was a mammoth swing and miss considering the money and considering it went nowhere in College Station. So I'll just start with that before we get into games and everything else, JC. Good morning to you in Chi-Town. Welcome, sir. Good morning. Uh, I think here's the deal, Mike. You know, people can say Ross Bjork was being proactive and, and, and credit him. And I like Ross Bjork. I think he's a heck, heck of an AD as ADs go. But as we've talked about many times uh, of the whole process, that's sometimes the most overrated uh, with various fan bases. I don't think that's how this went down. Uh, I know there was a board of trustees meeting on Thursday. I think sometime around Tuesday, uh, there's a diner out in the middle of Texas somewhere on a dusty road. And all of a sudden, a Cadillac pulls up, and it's Big John. Big John. Another Cadillac pulls up, and it's Big Dan. Dan. Another Cadillac pulls up, and it's Carlos Ramirez. And another big Cadillac pulls up, and it's Old Pete. And they all went in there, and Big John said, all right, boys, <laughs> he ain't done no better than someone. We better get rid of it. And he's like, here's $20 million in the hat. I'm going to pass this cowboy hat around, and y'all put y'all's checks in now. And they did. And he's like, I'm going to go tell Ross what we're going to do. All right, I'll be in College Station Brian tonight if y'all need me. All right. Hey, y'all try the brisket here. It's good. Be sure to tip her. And he got back in the car, and he drove to College Station, and he said, all right, Ross, here's what we're going to do. I'm surprised there was a four-hour discussion about it with the board of trustees because you know they, you know, those people are probably like, oh, well, wait a minute, how much are we spending? What, what, what? Okay, I got the checks right here. So all here's eighty million dollars, uh, and when we go to hire a new coach, uh, Big John, he's going to sell off an oil rig and give us the rest. We're going to go hire the greatest coach of all time, <laughs> and that's how it works in those Texas schools. Uh, believe me, uh, there, there were some people that worked at South Carolina that worked out there. And it's it's you don't, you don't the AD is not making any decisions. I mean none. <laughs> I mean you could ask some people that have worked at other places, uh, and that's fine. That's how the Aggies rock and roll. Well, here's it, and I I think you're right. But here, like there, believe it or not, there were some people that said keep Jimbo, like Dan and. Big Dan and Big Tex might have been met by uh, Big Rex, who went in with a, an even bigger. He had a 12-gallon hat instead of a 10-gallon hat. And he might have said, look, we're playing Texas next year, and we got a great recruiting class coming in, another top 10 recruiting class like we have five out of the six years that Jimbo's been here. And I just think it'd be disruptive to rock the apple cart right now. So I say we keep them. And I got oil money, too. So at that point, if you've got kind of a, a, a hoedown, is that what it's called? A hoedown? That might be a different Probably thing. a hoedown. A hoedown? Face-off. Like the Alamo. Yeah. What was, that, what was the Alamo called? I don't know. A different thing here on J.C. and Morgan. And if so, I apologize. Uh, but let's just call it a hoedown for the sake of calling it something. And it, and if this side of the 10-gallon hats is, is get rid of them, and in this side of the 10-gallon hats says, look, 
What do we accomplish by getting rid of them? We don't have somebody we know we can get uh, right now, uh, and we don't want to rock the apple cart. We've got a big game against Texas next year, and we're going to lose recruits. if we. Then does the AD have the tie-breaking vote? Like, that's what I wonder. Because rarely are these things unanimous. Like, you can't – Jimbo is – it's not falling apart. They're just doing – Essentially, the same thing they always do in College Station, right? I mean, they—they they just this is what they do. This is what they've done for decades. They're good, not great. Good, not great. And if you take away Johnny Manziel, Kevin Sumlin, I, I think that analogy is a little skewed. Say, say what you want about Johnny Manziel post A and M, which was a, a a train wreck. He was one of the greatest college football quarterbacks that we saw during a two-year period. He won a Heisman. He was incredible. Look at the numbers. They're staggering. They're staggering uh, outside of that. And, and so Jimbo never had a Johnny Manziel, right? I mean, Kellen Mond was a nice college quarterback for four years. He wasn't Johnny Manziel. So, I, in other words, I can't sit here and tell you that he did worse than Kevin Sumlin or even the same. The Kevin Sumlin hire was a bit of a reach, the Jimbo Fisher hire was everybody wanted Jimbo Fisher. He had a proven track record as a coordinator. He won a national championship at Florida State as a head coach. I can't sit here and tell you that was a terrible hire. I can just tell you it didn't work. Oh yeah, I mean it, a lot of people would hire Jimbo Fisher, Auburn, LSU. Uh, his name always came up. Uh, you know things had kind of gone south at Florida State, but still it took a record-setting contract to pry him out of that job. Mm-hmm. Um, he may have gotten ahead of the posse there. Who knows? But, um, you know, I, I think there's other reasons. I mean, you kind of look at Jimbo's quarterbacks since, since he's had Winston, to be honest, both at FSU and at A&M. There's some sort of disconnect. And it, it's not been, like, necessarily talent because Weigman's a five-star guy. And Haynes King, uh, he's done fine at Georgia Tech since he left. Uh, the kid they put in the other night was pretty good. Um you know, I I was surprised Petrino didn't maximize that offense this year, to be honest with you. I, and I don't know. Maybe there was some back and forth because it looked an awful lot like what Jimbo's always done. And uh, it was clunky. And it, it wasn't – to have the talent they do, it wasn't that good. Uh, I had questions about this because at a Texas school, you're recruiting – you're still recruiting the state of Texas. I mean, A&M went a lot more national at different positions – than they normally do, but you're still recruiting Texas kids. Every dang one of them, almost without exception, Mike, is a uh, spread, spread the field, chuck it all over the yard, seven-on-seven style offense that they come out of. Um, even even Mac Brown, you know, struggled with that, trying to get more modern, and he did run a spread. You know, that's why Baylor was so good for a while. That's why, that's why Texas Tech was could score on anybody with uh, – you know, Coach Kingsbury and Mike Leach, and that's that's why Mike Gundy scores a bunch of points. I mean, you know, that, that's just how that whole league is. It's because it has its roots in the high school talent in the state of Texas, and, and you have to recruit that state because, God, there's so many good players. And, and so I had a question, like, okay, so you're going to put in a pro-style offense out here that's complex, that, that relies a lot on reads and, you know, play action, and, and it's just not as exciting as as other schools, um, you know, in your little footprint there. 
And it wasn't that he couldn't attract talent. It's just that once the talent got plugged into that system, it was very mediocre. I mean, they always they always seem to hang in the balance, too. I mean, you know, even against teams that weren't that good. It's kind of ironic that they lined up and beat Mississippi State's ass to a pulp <laughs> the other night. I mean, that was impressive. And then they fire him. Uh, but like we, we talked about, it's been done. So I, I had some questions about offensive system. And I think if you look back on the Jimbo era, that's probably what did him in because they simply did not score enough points. They didn't have as much, many explosive plays as, as a team with that kind of talent. They always played pretty good defense, I thought, you know, for the most part. But, uh, you know, you go five and seven. And then, like, look, this year, I think they got who? New Mexico State this weekend. Is it New Mexico State? By the way, Not even don't, if it's New yeah. Mexico State, don't count the Aggies. Don't, don't those Aggies out. Uh, maybe it's Florida International. I think it is FIU. Maybe it's, it's one of those two. Um, but, uh, you know, go beat them. You're 7-4. Go to LSU. This team had not won. It's Abilene Christian. Oh, Abilene Christian. Well, they score points. Yeah, we're talking about A&M? Fan. Yeah, they, won a fan. they, yeah. they score points and run a fantastic offense. Who knows? Yeah, but uh, and then they go to LSU. The chances of winning at LSU because they've been terrible on the road are slim, especially after what happened last year. So you're you're looking at seven and five at best, and the expectation after all the money they put into the program has to be higher than that. But you know, I I don't know that he did any worse than the historical average since RC Slocum at that program, and they've made some big time hires. Dennis Franchione taking him from Bama was huge. That was big. You know? I mean, you know, I mean, Sumlin had the big first year because of, but, but, you know, think about the second year after Kingsbury left and went to Texas Tech to take that job. Uh, you know, you had another coordinator come in, and I think they were, what, nine and four? They, they slipped back. Mm-hmm. Never recaptured the magic. So it's going to be fascinating to see who takes the job. If I'm Texas A&M, I'm going to get a football coach, not a name. Uh, I'm going to Durham, North Carolina tomorrow and saying, Mike Oko. Come on back to the Brazos, buddy, because you, I, I think I think you got to not chase a name, but chase a coach. Now all the reports out there nationally are like, they're going big, so we'll see what big ends up being. I truly don't that. think they. I mean, they have a list. They probably had a list before the season started, and then that list has been uh, modified multiple times. But I honestly don't think they have a number one clear cut guy that target. I really do think that they they are looking everywhere, that everybody is a candidate at this point. Um, I don't think they're going to go after a coordinator. Like I, I think you know, it's going to be a head coach, but I mean, you could go after an NFL coordinator. That's a different deal. The, the best fit to me, the guy, if I'm A&M, I'm kind of salivating over, and I don't know if A&M fans are even thinking about him or not, but the timing is atrocious. Dan Campbell from the Detroit Lions. I thought about that, and I've heard that name mentioned, uh, and and he's got ties to A and M, right? He's an A and M guy. He's an Aggie. He's an Aggie, yeah. Um, but I just—they are rolling in Detroit. Uh, it's the best season. Of, uh, this is yeah. Barry Sanders, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like if they were two and nine, like a typical Lions season, then I could definitely see that. That's your point. The timing could not be worse. I just don't. I don't see NFL coaches having success don't leave for college, uh, and NFL teams don't lose their head coaches over money. 
So there's, uh, let me get the sliding scale out. There's regular SEC money, and then there's oil money. There's oil money, and then there's NFL money. And without even knowing Lions ownership, I can just tell you the NFL is a different deal. Like they don't lose coaches to a college over money ever. It's never happened in the history of the sport. That's not going to happen here. Um, so I don't think so. I think you got to go elsewhere. And you know, DeBoer is a is obviously a hot name, and Elko's a, a hot name, and he was there as a coordinator. Um, you know, traditionally, what I've always looked for when schools have a pattern of not succeeding under a certain uh, DNA, i.e. offensive-minded coaches, well, then you flip the script and you do a 180 and you get a defensive guy. Well, that would be Mike Elko, right? I mean, that would be that's your, that's your change of flow and philosophy. But the thing is, <laughs> the, like I just had uh, yesterday, I called Ravens-Browns. Hell of a game, by the way. Um, and a number of former college, it was like a damn college All-American team. you got Jadavion Clowney sacking Deshaun Watson. You, you've got Miles Garrett, Texas A&M, um, who might be the best defensive lineman. It might be the de- defensive MVP. You had multiple Texas A&M. I'm going through my two deep, and you have multiple Aggies um, on the defensive side. Uh, Devin A-Chain, he's hurt right now. He played for Jimbo and, quite frankly, was underutilized. He goes to Miami. Before he got hurt, he's ripping off 150 a game. Nobody can stop that kid. Why was he not more of a factor in College Station? If he can dominate the NFL, how could he not dominate college football? Uh, Anaya Smith is going to be a pro from that side of the ball. Uh, Their problem has not been talent. Uh, Five of the the years Jimbo's been there, top ten classes, They've had dudes, so and they've had they've had great defensive players, high draft picks, and they got them all over the defensive line this year. So I think that's where the disconnect, where the people are like, okay, yeah, we clearly we've got to go another direction because we, buying players, and that's the the landscape we're in right now. Everybody does it. That's not the problem for A and M, but they're not getting the ROI that you need to on that. And so there's the change. But I, I honestly don't know what direction they – I have a weird feeling that this thing is going to bounce around. And when does the portal start, J.C.? December 6th? Is that the big open the period? day after the championship games. Uh, and, and uh, okay, so yeah. – uh, yeah, so 4th, 5th, 6th, somewhere in there. That's why you want to make this higher. You don't want to drag it. Because if you if you wait after that, you're going to lose guys. You're not going to gain as many as you would. Right? That's what Dan Campbell will never happen. I mean, because you're 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 not going to lose half your roster these days. Right. Uh, with the uncertainty will kill. Uncertainty kills recruiting classes, and these days with the portal, uncertainty kills the rosters. I, I don't know, man. If I'm A and M, I'm looking at who is the best coach. I'm not worried about recruiting rankings. I'm not worried about is he a proven recruiter. I'm not worried about A and M. Sort of recruits itself, Mike. And if you're sitting on a bunch of nil money like they are, and you've got fantastic facilities. The stadium there, since they rebuilt half of it, probably the nicest stadium in college football, as far as just a nice place to go watch a game. Um, and that's from what I hear. Not, not I haven't ever been to a game. No, there. it's awesome. I can I tell you. I, yeah, I haven't been to College Station since they rebuilt it. I used to go out in the summer for the Texas 7-on-7 
Uh, I don't even want to think about that right now because it's just the hottest I think I've ever been. But uh, and not in a good way. I'm talking about sweating. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, brisket and that unsweet tea hit pretty good after that day. <laughs> but uh, and, you know, but it's it, it, they got such a great fan base and it's it's got so much potential. They just you know they've just never done it. Well, they, and they, I... they never. RC Slocum is the last coach to have a really good run there. Yeah, yeah, and even that run was. I mean. Yeah. What are we Jack, talking? Like they Jackie, play for Yeah. They won the Southwest Conference a couple of times. Jackie, right, right. Jackie Sherrill won there, but uh you know, it's just um But I mean they haven't been a national championship contender in our lifetime. That's before World War Two. Before yeah, exactly. I mean they, and I heard uh our buddy Josh Pate, who we've had on, and we'll probably have him on again soon. Um he put something out there yesterday as I'm flying back. I was uh, watching it on my phone, and he kind of did a diatribe on, um, look, this is this is an outstanding job, and I'm surprised that anybody would be uh, willing to accept the fact that A&M hasn't been better. It's just terrible hires. Well, I think it's deeper than that. I'm sorry because, Jim, again, Jimbo Fisher was not a terrible hire. You could say that after the fact. Was anybody saying Jimbo Fisher was a terrible hire when the hire was made? I don't know those people. Show me somebody who said that was a terrible hire when it was made. Kevin Sumlin was questionable, but again, Kevin Sumlin did great things at Houston, which happens to be in the state of Texas. He was considered one of the best offensive minds at the time in college yeah. football. Now, yeah. Did it pan out? No, but but there are a lot of people that would have hired Kevin Sumlin. Like, you can't say these were awful hires when they were made. You could say them after the fact. You can say that after the fact, right? Well, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury had a lot to do with, with someone now. I mean, that's there right. Was significant drop off. And, I, and speaking of Coach Hanson, uh, you know, I don't. He's know a candidate. I, you throw him in there with NFL experience now, with a bunch of NIL money and a great staff. I mean, he can't be mm-hmm. like Lincoln Riley and ignore defense. That's stupid. You can't you can't really do that in the SEC. Everybody's got to at least play side. I know the Isn't league. Isn't that what he did at Texas Tech? Scoring more now. Hey, just ignore Diaz. If you ever, one of the things about Texas Tech, though, Mike, when you've ever watched them, and you look at their like their D line compared to like Baylor, TCU, A and M, Texas, a lot of little short, tough guys. You know, they don't they don't for some reason on defense. It's tough for them to recruit. Uh, so I understand that in a place like that. Uh, at a place like Texas A&M, you have to be elite on both sides of the ball. And I think, you know, Mike Elko, when he was at A&M, was a really good recruiter. I, I think this guy, man, you don't just walk into Duke and win like like they have. Beating Clemson like they did, winning nine games last year like they did. You know, Cutcliffe was sort of at the end of his rope there. He did leave some good players behind. But it's not like he took over for that Duke team that, that took A&M to the wire you know, back in the day in the Peach Bowl. Uh, back in, Actually, that was Johnny Manziel's last game at A&M. Uh, it's not like Duke was on a roll when he got there. It's hard to win there. It is so hard to win there. And the guy was a D coordinator at Wake Forest and did great there. Got the Notre Dame D coordinator job, was great there. Uh, DJ Durkin, who I got a lot of respect for, you know, he couldn't hold a candle to what Elko did on defense at Texas A&M. Uh, and so then he goes to Duke and starts winning, and they're winning by running the ball and playing D. Are you kidding me? I mean, you think Duke's winning like Spurrier won there. He's just – they're out skiing. got some crazy offense. That, like Wake Forest wins. No, no, Duke is running the ball 
and beating people on defense. Think about that. Think about that. I think it says a lot about how soft college football has become. But think about that for a minute. I would go – and Elko, quite frankly, you know, would be the guy that I would just – I wouldn't let it get past him. He is the best coach. He's young. He's 46 years old. Uh, you probably don't have to pay him $75 million guaranteed to come take the job. And in A&M, I think, stop, stop chasing the guys that have the connections – like like the Mike Shermans and Kevin Sumlins of the world and the RC and, you know RC Slocum or the Dennis Franchonis, you know stop chasing the big names like Jimbo, go get the best coach and I know Elko does have ties there but he wasn't there a long long time he's from New Jersey for God's sake, go get that guy and I guarantee you you'll be in the playoff within two years. I'll call wow. it right now. Mike Elko takes the A and M job. He what? I'll give it three. You know, the last coach I said that about was Jim Harbaugh. It did take him five, <laughs> mm-hmm. but but he was in there by year five, wasn't he? And you see That's what Michigan, right. you see what Michigan looks like now. Yeah, uh, you and I, I were on an island when when we yeah. were defending Jim Harbaugh because yeah. I mean he was he was getting beat up uh, in the in the national media, and quite frankly, um, plenty of Michigan fans were sick of losing to Ohio State. They wanted them out. Many of them did, yeah. uh, and obviously that's that's turned around. I look Elko three. Uh, Three years, I believe they were top five defensively all three years. Now, they still didn't win a ton of games. Um, so then you start looking at the offense, and maybe it's – I mean, they, they've they had defensive coordinators, like, really good – Dirk and Chavis. Like they, they, they have not lacked for getting uh, high-profile, experienced um, – successful DCs in College Station. And again, that hasn't been the biggest problem. So if Elko does, if he is the guy, you still got to fix offense. And, you know, Elko walked into a situation, and I can't remember, and I I know I asked him the question, if he recruited Riley Leonard or did did he inherit Riley Leonard? But, I mean, Leonard was kind of a, he was an off-the-radar guy, JC. As you know, he was a basketball player in Alabama, and everybody thought he was going to play basketball, and then he winds up oh, playing yeah. football at Duke, and now he's probably going to be a first-round draft pick. Like, I don't know if, if that's going to happen again in College Station. Now, you're going to get wow. four or five-star kids that go there. But, but I mean, Jimbo had that too. Yeah, I, yeah but I, I think Mike Elko could coach. And I, and I think yeah. his offense, uh, Kevin Johns is OC at Duke. You know, he, he's – He's a spread guy, but it's a running spread offense, which I think I think A and M could really because A and always going to have elite backs. They're always going to be because of the state of Texas. You know, Texas, Georgia, sometimes Alabama, not Florida, not South Carolina most years, not Tennessee, not Missouri. Those are your states in the in the South that actually do produce good offensive linemen because of the numbers. Um, but it's hard, it's hard to find elite offensive linemen in the South. But a, so A&M is always going to have like a top half of the conference offensive line uh, to get out there and do it. I just, man, I I, I think it's a no-brainer for them. I, I'd go get to get the best coach to hell with everything else. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't win the press conference, Ross, Ross Bjork. Win games. Mm-hmm. Win games. That's what will make everybody happy. Um, and I think that, you know, you want to talk about proven. He's proven it at small schools in the Carolinas. He's proven it at the University of Notre Dame, where they were very physical. Uh, and then he's proven it at A&M in that environment. Probably knows a lot of people out there. To me, that not, no Dan Lanning. Dan Lanning is winning at Oregon, not Duke. 
And the last coach that won at Duke that took an SEC job did pretty damn well last time I checked. They're not getting Dan Lanning. Like, you think like, Mississippi State is? No, no, no. I, was, I thought I thought we were still on A and M. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I was like, do you think Mississippi State? Will well, get Mississippi Dan State Lanning? ain't getting him either. But yeah. uh, but A and M is not getting. I, I just don't see. Unless Dan Lanning just is unhappy at Oregon for some reason, but but again, you got Phil Knight money. They're about to go in the Big Ten. They're going to have every 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 bell and whistle that he wants. He's going to get. Seems to be off to a pretty good. Why would he leave that situation for A and M? I'd stay there for a long, long time. I Absolutely. Mean, very few, very few jobs would I leave. Absolutely. Uh, Oregon for you know. You, you know where he's from? He's from Missouri. Dan Lanning's from Missouri. Like uh, I did State. not know that. I did not know that. It's Missouri, Kansas, someplace like that. Okay. I'd be curious to see. I don't know if he grew up a Mizzou fan or not. What if Eli Drinkwitz goes someplace and Mizzou with SEC money breaks the bank, brings Lanning to Mizzou? Yeah. Nah, that'll never happen. I don't want to. I, that's for summer speculation. Mike. That's a whole other story. Well, Elko, 46 years old, makes $3.5 million at at, uh, at Duke. Obviously, that would be more than doubled. At A and M, um, so I mean, you know, financially speaking, they're, they're going to give him if if he is the guy, they would give him an offer he couldn't refuse. Um, but we'll see. I, I think it's fascinating if, that, if that's him. You know, I, Dan Dan Campbell. If, if the timing didn't suck, that would be probably that would be the guy. If I were an Aggie, I'd want. But uh, other than that, you know, I think uh, hey, look, they're talking about Lance Leopold. The, the names on the list are guys that can coach, and so I was. If those indeed are the guys, you know they're not. They're not. What's the "Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls" band from the nineties? The group. What were they called? Don't go. Chasing. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Yeah, where they uh, stick uh, to the lakes and the rivers that you're used to, JC. Yeah, who did that? What was I think we can all. Oh, that was uh, that was. Uh, oh, in vo- not in vogue. TLC. Uh, TLC. TLC. Yeah. Left Eye, who burned down Andre Risen's house. <laughs> Remember that. Oh, yeah. Andre Risen, the former uh, Spartan and, and star receiver for the Falcons, was dating Left Eye of TLC. And the, the relationship went sideways, as sometimes they do. And then Left Eye decided, you know what? I'm not just going to, like, write a crazy letter. Uh, I'm not going to stalk you. I'm not going to do the other things that crazy exes do. I'm just going to burn your house down. And that's what she did. So don't it's go like chasing a, those waterfalls. It's like an Eminem song. Or Left Eye. Yeah, it's like an Eminem song. Uh, that, that, is one, that is one rabbit hole I did not think we were going to go down this morning, yeah. but I'm glad that we did. It's I think my we're advice to the it. Aggies, don't go chasing those waterfalls. Don't go, go get you a ball, Coach. You're too good. You're too good. you got too much going for you. You know, you've tried everything else. Just go get the guy that is the best football coach. Before we go to break and get to the rest of the news and the JC5 and around the SGC, we're going to have a lot, a lot to get to in a short amount of time. Uh, Jimbo Fisher finishes, if my numbers are correct here, 60-39 and 39 overall. But most important, here's what the fans care about. SEC, 23-18. and 18. And Kevin Sumlin was 21-19. and 19. Um, And obviously there's no SEC titles to speak of for, for either one, nor was there an appearance uh, in Atlanta. Um, Mike Sherman was, remember Mike Sherman? Wow. Uh, Mike Sherman 
before they went to the SEC, he was 50 and 25 in the Big 12, but 15 and 18 in conference. Dennis Franchione, 60 and 32, but 19 and 21 in conference. R.C. Slocum, R.C. Slocum, if you got him, he was a three-time Southwest Conference Coach of the Year, 91, 92, 93, uh, and they were 78 and 28. In conference, then before that, you go to Jackie Sherrill, Gene Stallings was a. I mean, look, they've hired coaches. I, I don't want to hear that it's Gene just. Stalling, a, compared Stallings' record at A and M to his record at Alabama. Yeah, he well, did, we did know not, it did not do well at A. No, he was he, he was uh, uh, seventy three and twenty seven overall, but nineteen and thirty in conference. Now this is when the Southwest Conference was pretty pretty badass, quite frankly. Uh, and and speaking of buying players, they they were doing it big time. It just wasn't legal back then. Uh, but yeah, I, I just I don't want to hear like it's as simple as because you could say the same thing about Texas. Well, they just made terrible coaching hires. That's why. Really, have all the coaching hires been terrible, or is there something deeper than just they just got to get it right? Texas, they they've hired worse than A and M. I think. I mean, I, I think that. I, so, well, well I, I, I mean, I don't want to say worse. I want to say, like, they've jumped the gun on getting rid of people and blamed the coach worse than A&M. Yeah, I, I, there's, there's football reasons. You look at Jimbo's quarterback recruiting and his offense, they're supposed to be especially, and they, they suck. You know, that's a reason. Tom Herman won a bunch of games, just didn't win enough. And Everybody wanted Tom Herman. Everybody. Yeah, I mean, like, and, and Texas, their problem, and it, you still see it. I mean, they still sometimes squeak by against teams they have no business squeaking by with the last two weeks, for an example. Uh, they're still not tough uh, under Sark. And, and, you know, that started at the end of the Mac Brown era. Some entitlements, you know, seeped in. They won in spite of that. But there's not two tougher guys in college football, in my opinion, than Charlie Strong and Tom Herman. But those are not guys that, that run cream puff practices and country club type environments. You know, and so, and Sark, to his credit, brought a bunch of dudes from Bama that, that uh, don't tolerate that either. So I, they, their problems have been largely cultural rather than football. I, I think, I think with, you know, with, with A&M, it's, you could point to football reasons, tangible football reasons. And by the way, Daryl writes in, Mike, surely you've dated a crazy woman before. Oh, you could say that, but uh, I never allowed matches or lighters in the house. So that's that's what kept me from going, uh, getting all left-eyed with a burnt house. Now, um, <laughs> uh, the, the other thing, the, the, uh, quickly before we go to break, and, and we'll get Josh on. I'd love to – he's a great debater, and he always brings up good points. Just because I disagree with something doesn't mean I don't uh, value the, the point. Like he was saying, well, if Kirby Smart took the job at A&M, I guarantee you they, they'd be winning championships. You can't guarantee that, and, and you don't know that. Like Kirby Smart, it, first of all, it didn't start off like um, – a bouquet of roses right off the bat at Georgia lost some games that quite frankly they shouldn't have there was a little bit of on the job learning and Georgia Mark Richt set Georgia up already won multiple SEC championships like that wasn't in the far in the rear view you didn't have to go get black and white eight millimeter film to see the last time Georgia was really good uh, somebody was going to get that job and take it to the next level, and Kirby knows the terrain there as well as anybody. He played there not long ago. I don't know if you took Kirby Smart and gave him the A&M job 
that they just start winning national titles in College Station. I, I, I can't I can't go with them on that. Um, again, I think it's something a little bit deeper than just that. If you All put right. Kirby Kirby there now, yeah, I would agree. In 2016, when Kirby took the Georgia job, no. How about no? How about no, Mike? No. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, first off, I mean, like, what's theoretically, if 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 A and M said we'll double Kirby's money, and I don't care what Georgia can give him, we're gonna take him. Like, you're you're not gonna convince me that Kirby would go in there and win back to back national championships and play for a third. No. Sometimes programs are where they are. Not just because of bad hires, but that's just where their station is. And it's weird because A and M should old paper should not on be. paper. It's crazy. Hey, look on yeah. paper, on paper, A and M, Texas, uh, the the Florida schools. Now Florida State's having a resurgence this year, but the Florida they should all be top 10 type programs more often than not and playing for national championships. But that hasn't been the case. Southern Cal should be playing for national championships, but that hasn't been the case. Before Harbaugh, Michigan should be playing for that. But So it, it's not just as simple as, well, you hire the, the, the right coach and then everything, you just start dominating. I don't, I don't think that's the case at A&M. I, and whoever this hire is, you think all of a sudden they're just going to supplant Alabama and LSU and Auburn when they get things going with Hugh Freeze, who now is qualified for a bowl game? I I, I don't I don't necessarily convinced of that. I'm not even sure they surpass Texas. Whoever this hire is, like it's still going to be a difficult. You're, you're gonna you're gonna pay this buyout and you're gonna make a change, but it doesn't mean everything's just going to be hunky dory with the next hire. Uh, I think a number of programs have learned that the hard way. I'm not saying I disagree with the firing. It clearly wasn't working, but I, I, I don't know if Elko is going to be the solution to every problem. I don't know. I, but it wouldn't surprise me if we're having this conversation five years from now and we're talking about an A&M team that's like 7-4 and four, and we're still talking about Alabama and Georgia. I, that, would, that wouldn't shock me if that, was, if that were the case. All right, we've got to take a break. We'll come back. JC5 on the other side. It's JC and Morgan. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams are what sauce is any good best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Gypsy Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Hey, folks, want to tell you about our friends at Titan Construction Group really quick. They're a mid-Atlantic-based general contractor, specializes in retail, restaurant, and office construction. TCG strives to separate itself from other general contractors by adding value every step of the process. From project budgeting to estimation, value engineering to construction, they focus on those relationships and not the transaction. Titan builds partnerships one project at a time. Among their clients are Starbucks, Crumble Cookie, uh, Blake Pizza, Home Goods, 15 plus years experience based in Midlothian, Virginia, and contracted in Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina. So get on their website, Titan 
cginc.com that's titancginc.com get in touch with brad if you're in need of a general contractor that focuses on going above and beyond for their clients that's titan construction group a proud sponsor of the jc and morgan podcast south carolinians this message is for you as well as for people in georgia florida and tennessee if you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured. They provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998. Or you can go to EliteRoofing.com. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. It's time for the top topics in the sport. We bring the JC5. Number one. Number one. All right, Mike. So... (laughs) Here is the JC5. College coach's salaries, just looking at it. And by the way, San Diego State's coming open after this season. So maybe Zach Arnett goes back to the coach the Aztecs. Who knows? Um, Brady Hoke announces his retirement. But uh, these salaries, man, look, I have no problem with people getting paid. Uh, I feel bad for assistant coaches in a lot of ways. I don't think I'm going to feel bad for them too much longer because their salaries are getting pretty astronomical as well. Is this just I – mean, what, what are your thoughts on this? I, I don't know. It, it, seeing somebody get this much money for – and a lot of these guys getting a lot of money for demonstrably sucking at their jobs. Uh, and then, the, the, the you know, sometimes CEOs get tossed out and they get these golden parachutes or whatever. Most of those guys have worked their way all the way up. I, you know, th- these guys making generational wealth for – being bad at coaching. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Is is it good for the sport? I know there's nothing we can do about it because somebody's going to be willing to pay, and it's a market economy. We're, we're a capitalist society. But, you know, is this really good to have this type of money floating around and, to, to, and for schools to pay this much money for mediocrity? Well, I don't think it's good or bad. I, I just think it's the market. And the the market for coaches in everything is up. And not coincidentally, the market for TV rights is up in everything. So we we are embarking on an era where every SEC and Big Ten program will get over $100 million just in media revenue. That's before a single ticket is sold. That's before a single 12th man donation is given. A uh, hundred plus million dollars. So, you know, if you if you've been around these facilities as I have, and you go in the bowels of the stadium and you see the weight room and the academic centers and the practice facilities, and you're running out of toys. So initially, all that money was going to upgrade facilities. It was an arms race. Well, they have this shiny weight room. Well, we got to have it. And they have a great indoor facility. Well, we have to have one. Everybody's already built that. Right, so you, you now where do you spend that that extra cash, which continues to multiply? It's going to coaches, and it's it's trickling down to players. So 
I I don't have a problem uh, with it. Uh, you know, God bless. Uh, if you if you read up on the the Sexton character who represents ten out of the fourteen head coaches and a, a number of the assistant coaches, and who knows, maybe he represents some ads out there. Uh, he's kind of a fascinating story. How he became, you know, the Rockefeller the Rockefeller of of college football representation. Um, it kind of makes me say, damn it, why didn't I think of something like that? I once had an agent tell me he used to represent players, and of course he'd get that phone call at 3 in the morning, and old Johnny was at the club too late, and now he's behind bars, and he needs to get bailed out, and how do we suppress this from the media? You don't get that very often with coaches not named Bobby Petrino, who's also going to be looking for work, um, uh, or Mel Tucker, who... We're not sure how he got the work that he got for nine and a half million dollars at Michigan State. That would be if you wanted to make a point to your your question there. You would you would Mel Tucker would be like on the poster board. Hey, look at me, nine and a half million. <laughs> I, how I did it, I have no idea. Uh, but I don't have a problem. I mean, look, it, it, I always say it's not my money. I don't think it damages the sport at all. I don't like the turnover on coaches, and that's the thing when you get all that money you're more susceptible susceptible to being fired quickly. And that's what you're seeing now. Like it used to be you get four years, five years, six years to prove whether or not you belong. You don't get that anymore. It's too much money at stake. Uh, and if you, if you get passed by, it's going to cost even more money to get back out of the hole you've already dug with a failing head coach. So uh, the long answer to your question I just gave, the short answer to, the, to your question is, uh, out of control to me, it, it it's not a factor. It's just the climate that we're in, and uh, I don't think it really – look, the ratings for, for college football this year are out of this world. The attendance is out of this world. The money has never been higher. So I can't say that because coaches are making a lot of money and people are turned off by buyouts when we've got people struggling to live in the worst economy that uh, you and I have probably lived in um, – I get it while there's some resentment toward it, but no, I don't think it hurts the overall product. Number Jimmy two. Did not, well, before we get to two, Jimmy Sexton, by the way, did not go to law school. Tennessee grad, decided to get into the sports agent because he's Reggie White's sweet mate. Mm-hmm. Represented right. Reggie White, the Minister yep. of Defense, and uh, got some players and then got into this SEC coaching thing. He is like a character out of a John Grisham novel now. That's right. That's right. So, I mean, he's like that dude that, you know, he, he's so infamous. So uh, it's interesting. All right, so on to number two, as our voice uh, guy has already said. All right, so, so to Michigan, so this is a juicy piece of info reported from Ann Arbor, which I think is a mess. Michigan's Board of Regents talked about them leaving the Big Ten over this. Wow. Yeah, we have an email on that, too. How juicy would that have been? Uh, This is from, just to back up your your question here, from Independent Justin, great Michigan fan located uh, here in Atlanta, loves the show and is one of our uh, astute listeners. He says, in light of the Big Ten's Friday afternoon antics, there's much discussion in Ann Arbor of irreparable harm being done to the relationship between Michigan and the conference. If Michigan were to leave the conference at some point, what do you think would be the best option uh, in new college football landscape, independent, ACC, SEC? Well, I don't think they'd go to the SEC. Um, 
it's just kind of an outpost deal. Uh, I, I think I think actually the ACC would probably benefit because I, I think that with Notre Dame, uh, maybe their package deal with Notre Dame, uh, maybe they join the Big Twelve. That'd be kind of weird. They're also one of the few programs that could go independent and not and not struggle. I think. You know, I, that would be the only like if they were so pissed off mm-hmm. and they just wanted to go scorched earth to prove a point. They go into the SEC is not opening its doors to Michigan, I don't believe. Um, and then the 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 pay and the cut and pay to go to the ACC or the Big Twelve again. There's only two conferences that are about to make the kind of money I just laid out, the hundred million dollar plus. Mm-hmm. No one else is even close. It truly is the AFC NFC financially. Now, as we as we've learned, whether it's A and M or whether it's all these Big Ten schools making all that money, but that still play mediocre football in that conference. Of course, I'm not talking about Michigan, Ohio State. Uh, you can't just buy your way into being great. But Michigan is a a blue blood having great success, and they don't want to just give up like $30 million a year because they're salty over this. I don't think they're going anywhere, okay? I think this is, uh, JC, I think this is natural residue from they feel like they're getting jobbed. Uh, This is a very sensitive subject that, again, we could do a whole show on. I think eventually this blows. I, I said all along, in fact, I think I might have responded to Justin a while back, that I thought there'd be a, a Harbaugh suspension, but no victories vacated and no uh, exclusion from this year's college football playoff. And that's exactly what has happened. And well, it, it sucks. You don't want that, but it, it could be a lot worse. And, and after next, after that suspension's over, uh, everything will be, be glorious in Ann Arbor again. And he'll be in Lake Forest, Illinois, coaching the Bears. Uh, uh, you think so? You think? You think? I mean, I mean, if it's not that serious and Michigan doesn't have to vacate, they go and win it all. Which I, Mike, I don't know that they won't. I mean, they are. They could, dude. How they did? You know, they didn't throw a pass in the second half. The entire second half with a Heisman Trophy dude, candidate quarterback dude, and JJ McCarthy. Uh, you know, testicular fortitude do you have to have to go into Penn State with that defense and just say, "All right, we're better than you." We're going to line up and run it right all just the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. So who gives a crap about the signals? I mean, they're just lining up and running it over you. Well, that's um, what I, I think that actually is a, a – I mean, and kudos to Sharon Moore, by the way, who gave an impassioned speech uh, after the win. But what this does, it's a rallying cry mm-hmm. for a program and a team that already has outstanding culture. So – I, I don't want to say that they wouldn't be better off with Jim Harbaugh on the sidelines, but I actually think in some ways this might this might be uh, they might get get some positive out of it. Uh, yeah, and so I, I don't know. You know, Michigan almost would have to go independent, get with Notre Dame, play in the ACC and other sports like Notre Dame does. Agree to pay five. I mean, they could probably they're good enough to get the same deal Notre Dame does. Maybe a little less. NBC would probably be interested in something like that. But then they but then they piss off Fox and CBS. The other if they left the Big Ten because Michigan obviously is a huge brand. But you know anyway, I thought I didn't think much of that. I just thought it was interesting. Washington is not good enough to win. 
the national championship. Number three. Neither are Texas and Florida State, in my opinion. And and I I love what Florida State's done. I love what Texas has done. Just don't know. Just don't think, uh, I think think those teams may get in, uh, but I just don't know that they're good enough. Tell me I'm wrong. You're saying Washington, Florida State, and who? And Texas. Good enough to get in the playoff, not good enough to win it all. Okay. Um, Of those three, there's a lot of people that are convinced Florida State's the number one team in the country. I'm not there, but they're damn good. Washington is flawed, but they're damn good. And Texas, we've kind of just lost sight of since they lost to Oklahoma. But that's still the, a loaded roster that looked more talented in a number of different facets uh, of the game than Alabama when they beat the Tide in and Tuscaloosa. They've got that tiebreaker, too, Mom. I mean, they, they, they will get in over a one-loss Bama. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think, like, I know there are people that are, are paid good money to, to go on TV and debate that for a half hour. That's not a debate. Like, if they're both one-loss teams, folks, it's Texas over Alabama. doesn't matter when we could sit here and argue about, well, who's actually better and who would and who would win a rematch and who's playing better football in November. It, do, it doesn't matter. The committee, is it, no. there's no precedent for that, and they're not going to break it now. Head-to-head has to mean something. So that that's Alabama's not going to leapfrog Texas if they both have one loss. Um, I... I might I might push back on that a little, JC. Like I, I agree that Georgia, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State. I mean, look, I'm not ruling out the possibility Ohio State could upset Michigan, even in the big house, over my shoulder here. Um, I, they might be the most talented teams playing the best ball, but could could one of those other teams you mentioned at least win one game of the well, you're saying win it all so they have to win two? Mm. Yeah, I don't I don't think they'll win it well unless they match up against each other. Like I don't, I just don't see them beating Ohio State, Georgia, Bama, or back to back. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I mean, I'm I'm with you on the odds. I don't think it's I don't think it's impossible. Uh, of those three, I probably would side with Florida State. I probably would go Florida State. Mm. Like if if Florida State, you know, they if they beat down Louisville in the ACC championship game, they're going to be undefeated. They're going to be thirteen and zero going into that playoff. They got a veteran quarterback. They've got two incredible game breakers at wideout. They've got a playmaking defense, and they got a coach who knows what he's doing. Like I mean, I think Florida State could pose a threat. But but I'm with you. I mean, you've got the right teams in terms of who the favorites should be. I, I, I understand that. But I wouldn't say it's completely out of the realm of possibility that like an undefeated FSU could, could go in there and win it all. I'm not going to bet on it, but maybe. Number four. All right, I'm going to talk about UNLV again. Uh, so you love night. your running reds. Yo, look. The fighting Odoms. Wyoming comes to town, and they, uh, everybody's hyping Wyoming, and they win by 20. Um, does Barry Odom get another job? Or, I or, honest, or is he one of those guys that needs to stay where, stay at that level? Oh, this is going to sound harsh. Look, I, I've, I've, I've been in the room with Barry Odom when he was at Missouri, and a good dude, 
great defensive mind. I think his personality is not what a lot of programs are going to want at the Power Five level, at the higher level of the Power Five, right? I mean, you, there's a certain amount of, uh, amount of charisma that I think you want, especially in a day and age when you're trying to sell kids on your program and sell boosters on opening up the checkbook. And I don't know if he has that in his bag of tricks. So you can't change I, your personality at 50. I'll throw a hypothetical at you. Let's okay. say Arkansas struggles to come to terms with some – let's say it does open because that's one of the ones that's not officially open yet. But yet. you've been talking about this all year, man. Mm. Let's say Arkansas comes up and, and, you know, it gets down to it. And you got your former DC out there winning and got a place that is difficult to win. He, he made really two great hires an offensive coordinator because he hired Petrino and then Petrino with A&M, of course. And then he hired the go-go offense guy, Brendan Marion from Texas, which by the way, if Odom left, that's who I'd hire immediately if I were UNLV. But I, if it gets down to it, I mean, do you look at him or, or, or would you go more like, well, let's bring Kendall Browns back and give him a shot or something like that. You know, I don't, I don't know what to think about the Arkansas job other than I've heard two names, Dan Mullen and Gus Malzahn. And, you know, Arkansas, I would think Malzahn would jump at it, right? I don't know. Uh, uh. They've never been able to bring the Arkansas guy home, though, Mike. Bear Bryant's from Arkansas. Butch Davis from Arkansas. Jimmy Johnson, I think, played at Arkansas. They've never been able to bring that guy home. So that's interesting, too. That is interesting. Um, I, I I don't I don't think I don't think Odom is what they're looking for, honestly, at Arkansas. Um, what about Petrino? What about a what a, re, a replay? What about a replay of Bobby? Bring the neck brace. Head on over. Probably get on not. your motorcycle, Bobby. Get on the motorcycle. Some, dude, that's a Bob Seger song. Crank it up your motorcycle, leaving Las Vegas, going back to God's country. There you go. Go to Dixon Street, uh, grab a steak at Doe's, and um, hey, it, pull the old George Costanza when he got caught sleeping with the cleaning lady, and he's, he's called into the office to his boss, and he says, was that wrong? Should I not have done that? I got to plead ignorance here. Had I had any idea that sort of thing was frowned upon? Because I've been other places where that goes on all the time. Um, no, I, I don't know where, where Arkansas goes. If, if that happens, um, I, I really, I really don't know. That is a, that's a tough one to me. You know, a guy that I don't think I would let it get past, uh, if assuming he would take it, Gary Patterson. That is an interesting name. Yeah. I mean, he's 63. Well, that's so the how thing. much does he have left in the tank? I think he's got a lot. I think the guys. Well, I, I think I think you could make the argument he he did for a while there. He was doing as good a coaching job with what he had at TCU as anybody in the country. I just think that that window is kind of closed. Um, I'm sure they've got some guys in mind in Fayetteville. Maybe we ought to have our old uh, pal Bo Mattingly on to discuss that. But uh, probably we ought to wait till a change happens first. Um, but I, you know, again, Arkansas looks at itself, not quite the way A&M does, but they got a lot of money, a lot, a lot of money because you, it's not oil money. It's Walmart money. It's Tyson's money. It's JB Hunt money. Uh, there's a lot of commerce in that state, which grow is growing and growing and growing from, uh, was it Springfield, Springdale to Bentonville, Springdale. Springdale. 
Springdale, Bentonville, Fayetteville, if you've been around that area, a lot of money. Um, and and they feel like they feel like hey, they a lot in a lot of ways. You've talked to Arkansas people that have been around since the national championship days. You know, with Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson, they feel like they should be competing for SEC championships on the regular. They feel like they should be a program that can compete for a national championship. Like everybody, every fan base wants to believe that. Arkansas says we got a track record here. Wasn't that long ago. It was a long time ago, but it wasn't that long ago. And we've got the resources, and we've got the money, and we've got all this. That's the way they look at it there. So I don't know if the kind of names you're talking about would really uh, whet the appetite of some of those big donor, pig suey, razorback people. Mississippi State's another story. We haven't even talked about the Zach Arnett deal, but, you know, and by the way, I don't think Dan Mullen... I don't he's not going back. Yeah, and, and look, now, he, he may go to Ar- he may go to Arkansas. I mean, I think he I think he's in the mix for that one. Do you really? Is that I mean, you I, know I better than me. You're on the board. Malzahn and Mullen. See, uh, Malzahn makes been, all the sense in the world. I mean, Malzahn. Yeah. They look. That's how Malzahn got G'd up at Auburn in the first place. He flirted with Arkansas. Auburn said, "Well, we got to pay you a bunch of money to keep you to not go to Arkansas," and then they fired him anyway. A few days later. And they had to pay, at the time, was a record $21.5 million buyout. <laughs> that is about a fourth of what they just paid Jimbo Fisher in College Station to go take another job. Um, Here's something else nobody's talking about. Yeah. Here's why if you're Arkansas and Mississippi State, if you make a good hire, there's hope. And I'll tell you why. There's no more SEC West, brother. There's no more SEC West. Yeah, you're going to draw. They're basically going to play Arkansas. Is basically going to play Missouri every year, and then draw seven names out of a hat, and then you're going to play the other seven teams in the league. I'll take that if I'm an Arkansas fan over Auburn's won national championships, LSU's won national championships, Bama's great, A and M has all this potential. You know, the Mississippi's have enjoyed since 2013 probably their best run combined. You know, I mean, Ole Miss has been pretty good for a while now, you know, under Hugh Freeze and then Kiffin. I mean, you know, you, but now you get to play South Carolina, Kentucky and Vanderbilt, Missouri and Florida's down. I mean, you know, it just, it's, it's I, I'll, I'll take that if I'm Arkansas over beating my head against the ceiling. No question. The division every year. They all want to go east. They yeah. all and the East is better than it was. I mean, we've talked about this a number of times. The East had a really a, a bad period where it was weak. You had yeah. simultaneously power programs all down. Uh, the bottom was awful. The middle was not good, and the top was below expectations. That but that and that has changed, but it's still not the West. So yeah, they're all like, let me go, let me go east, please, yeah, everybody's, please. Everybody's gonna be, Auburn's going to be fired up about that. I mean, that's so, so all I mean, of them. If you're the if you're Mississippi State, Arkansas, A and M, it's probably a good time to be getting a, be getting a, um be getting a new coach. I mean, Arkansas' schedule some years is going to look like the South Southwest Conference with you know, or, or I actually they. Oklahoma was not in the Southwest Conference. They haven't actually played a whole lot. But, you know, they're going to have years where they play Missouri, Oklahoma, Texas, and Texas A&M. You know, it doesn't even look like the SEC anymore. So it'll be good. All right, number five. Number five. More Mountain West. 
The uh, and I was going to mention the Boise State jobs open, and that's a significant job. Nobody talks about it because you know these other big jobs open, but they cut ties with Andy Avalos, who I thought wasn't a good hire for them to begin with, even though he did play there. Uh, and San Diego State's open. So my question to you, Michael, which of those two Mountain West jobs is better at this point? San Diego State. New stadium, great city, California recruiting. Look, the the job that Boise State did for years where they were actually uh, <laughs> like in the top ten for many, many weeks and were pulling off upsets over programs like a Georgia um, those days are done, and I don't think they're coming back. And Boise is back to being a really, really difficult job. Uh, whereas San Diego State, I think, is trending up. And I think San Diego State is one of the more attractive, quote-unquote, Group 5, I know they hate that title, Group 5 jobs out there. I, I think they've got a chance to really move the needle uh, at that program. So I'd go San Diego State. Sweet. All right, that wraps up the JC5. Wraps it up. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll go around the SEC and close down another installment of JC and Morgan. Stay tuned. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down to Ohio, down to Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. Hey, this is Mike Morgan, and like many of you, I love staying active. It makes me feel better. It helps me enjoy a better life. But whether you're a world-class athlete or someone just keeping the dream alive like me, you'll want to make sure you have someone who can handle the injuries that are going to arise. That's where the world-renowned Dr. Michael Hatrack of Synergy Sports Wellness and Synergy Release Sports come into play. He's been my guy for nearly a decade, and he has served thousands of people, including over 400 NFL players, over a career that spans 47 years. Yeah, he's that good. And his staff's personalized biomechanical treatments and therapies can handle it all. Back pain, knee pain, shoulder pain. We all know the injuries, but few know the solutions the way Dr. Hatrack and his terrifically trained staff do. I've seen others. No one delivers the results the way they do. That's why people from all over the country come to Synergy's two Georgia locations, Buckhead and Alpharetta. Dr. Hatrack has trained a team of chiropractors in his proprietary technique, that has been proven to yield life-changing outcomes from professional athletes to the Joe Schmoes of the world like, well, me. Check out the website to set up an appointment today, SynergyReleaseSports.com. That's Synergy with an S, ReleaseSports.com. You can also find a link for them on our website, JCAndMorgan.com. Let the incredible staff at Synergy take care of you so you can reach your wellness goals. Let's get in the RV and take a drive around the SEC. All right. All right, let's do that. I like that. I heard a little bit of like a beginning. I thought that was a tease of music there, but we'll go music less for the drive around the SEC. Our band is uh, Holiday Road by... Uh... Oh, I like that. Little Lindsey Buckingham. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I thought uh, that was Kenny Loggins for a long time. 
Well, because he did every other soundtrack in the 1980s. And their voices sound similar. I just yeah, yeah. Danger I'm an idiot. Zone, holiday. No, you're not an idiot. I think that's a good Danger call. Zone, Lindsay Buckingham, the, Kenny the, Loggins. The epic "Meet Me Halfway" from Over the Top with Sly Stallone. Yes. Anyway. That's a that's a that's a dimer for you, right? Over the top. That's oh one of the greatest movies of all time. <laughs> See, Whoa. over the top for you is like Roadhouse for me. Yeah, now I've I've gotten into Roadhouse more since I finally watched it. So. Oh gosh, I mean that's a that's a Ben Franklin again. It's mm-hmm. the best two star movie ever made. Just think about that. Wrap your arms around it. Like I'm not saying it's it's a great script or it's not Citizen Kane. It's about a bouncer, an undersized bouncer. I thought you'd be bigger. And it, it just it connects with me. I don't know what, what to tell you. Uh, and I've never been in a bar fight in my life, but for some reason it still connects. Let's go around the SEC, shall we? We're going to hit the top two stories, obviously. Jimbo Fisher out at uh, A&M. Zach Arnett out at Mississippi State. Of course, the the next one that people are waiting on, the next domino that could potentially fall, <clears throat> is in uh, Fayetteville as the Arkansas Razorbacks just uh, continue to struggle. They've got FIU this weekend, so you'd like to think that they can take care of business against the fighting the fighting FIUs who come in 4-6. and six. Arkansas is a 31-point favorite. Arkansas is 3-7 on the year. Um, that game is at 7.30, and you just kind of wonder, will there be some type of news that comes out after it? This is that week, of course, in the SEC that uh, the Joel Klatz and others of the world like to like to bang on because there are some FCS slash Group 5 matchups. The difference is the SEC does it uh, later in the year, of course, in Week 12, whereas the Big Ten and conferences like it do it earlier very often. But, yes, Chattanooga is at Alabama. Yes, UL Monroe is at Ole Miss. Yes, Southern Miss is at Mississippi State. New Mexico State is at Auburn. FIU is at Arkansas. Georgia State is at LSU. Abilene Christian is at A&M. We get it. But there are some good matchups as well, including Georgia-Tennessee, including Florida-Missouri, including Kentucky-South Carolina. Now, a couple things. Tennessee is what I thought they would be at the beginning of the year. Now, they're still a good team, but there's clearly been some regression. Uh, I never thought Joe Milton was going to be Hendon Hooker. He hasn't been. I never thought their wide receivers would be the likes of the two that they had last year. They haven't been. Uh, Tennessee's good. They're good. But if they lose to Georgia, as expected, Georgia 10-point favorite, they'll fall to 3-4 and four in the SEC. And, you know, I just wonder... What the vibe will be in Knoxville with Josh Heupel? How long does the goodwill last? I think seven and six, eleven and two, and let's say they win their bowl and go nine and four. It's a pretty good start. Right, oh, I know. agree. I, I I just know the the irrational fan bases out there. Oh, we're not, were, we're not talking tall. about rational people. I mean, they scored seven points against a team they had scored one hundred and twenty eight points against the last two years. They got worked over. Uh, and look, I'll be the first one to admit I was wrong about Missouri. They're I did good. not think they're, they're good. It, it, like they're and they're good. On, they're good on both sides of the ball. They're good in places we don't expect Missouri to be good, like on the line. So I didn't expect this, and I certainly didn't know that they would have a Division Two running back in Schroeder 
that would be one of the best running backs, maybe in college football. You know where he's from, by the way? Uh, someplace in Missouri, St. Louis, something like that. Truman State, Division Two. Oh, no, two. yeah. I knew he went to Truman State, Division Two. Yeah. Uh, South he, Carolina has a Division Two transfer I, running back. As well. I know, and, and Mario Anderson, in fact, two of the best backs in the league. Some of these guys, uh, I mean, yeah, it's... But they didn't even. What's funny about uh, Missouri is they didn't. Drinkles was like, "I oh, can walk on," right? And he, and the kid walked on, and he he really came on last year, Mike, and then returned this year. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I, I can't. He he really like you watch him run, and I don't know how he does it. it, I, it like I watch him, and he doesn't look that fast. He's kind of short and squatty. But man, oh man, he every time he touches the ball, he runs it like it's the last carry of his life. And so he's been one of the best stories in college football this year, quite frankly. And Missouri's been good, but they still, if you're Tennessee, you have to be more competitive in that game. Like that's you got worked over at at in Como. I, I that that to me is one of those where I'm I'm guessing that didn't sit real well. With the Tennessee fan base, and with Georgia coming down, but I think Tennessee's a better team at home than they are on the road. I think they're much more defensive oriented this year than last year, and run game oriented. And wouldn't surprise me to see them play Georgia close. Uh, but they, 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 they just ran into a bust all. And you know, talking to some people that are close to the Missouri staff, they, they believe they can win out. They could beat Florida this weekend, and they could beat Arkansas and get ten and two and go to like the Cotton Bowl and sell that in recruiting, which I think is a good deal. I think it's been a good year. And Como, and uh, it all came together because, like, look, Brady Cook doesn't doesn't play up to his potential and get better. It doesn't happen. The Schrader kid doesn't transfer in. It doesn't happen. If they don't get some kids out of the portal to compliment, lose their burden, it doesn't mm-hmm. happen. So uh, Eli Drinkos did a good job of putting it all together. A coach who was on the hot seat, a quarterback that was booed, they're about to be if they beat Florida at home. Nine and two overall, five and two in the and SEC. It did not start all that great. I mean, no, sixty-one yard field. That sixty-one yard field goal was huge because they gave them confidence. But they only won by four against Middle Tennessee State and seven against Memphis until they hit confidence. If if, if you watch, if you watch that game, I'm getting uh, noise from a website here. If you watch that game uh, with the with the game winning the sixty one sixty one right sixty one yard field goal, uh, they did everything they could down the stretch to to squander that opportunity. Like the clock management wasn't great either. Like it, it, there was a lot of stuff going on, you know. But they but they did just enough to pull it off. And by golly, <laughs> that's what matters. They did just enough. What about uh, speaking of Florida? You know, Florida loses to LSU. That is now uh, five years in a row, right? Mm-hmm. Four or five. I, I know Chris Doring on uh, SEC now has to keep wearing like ridiculous costumes because he makes a friendly bet with Peter Burns, who's an LSU fan. And every year, uh, Chris Doring, who we've also had on the show, uh, gets uh, demeaned and loses a piece of his soul <laughs> because of the, <laughs> the, the domination that LSU's had in this year. Uh, it gives an entertaining game. Jaden Daniels racks up over 600 yards of total offense. I, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a Heisman he, voter. He had a, go ahead. Oh, he had a coming out party last year in the swamp, too. You know. that, that's right. So, yeah, so they not, got no better against him. <laughs> no, they got no better. They have no defense. They have absolutely no defense in Gainesville. Zero. There's zero resistance. They haven't stopped anybody all year long. Graham Mertz, who nobody wanted, 
has actually been he's played good football for them. So they've had good quarterback play and they still just can't get it done. They're in danger of finishing five and seven. And if that happens, it's gonna be a really long off season for Billy Napier. Really, really long. I know they got the rec- recruiting class, although they just had a kid flip, right? Um, kid flip to Auburn from from Florida, from Mississippi, and they're they're gonna they'll lose a couple, maybe, you know. Yeah. But uh, um, Florida State's lurking, Miami's lurking for some of those in-state guys too. And, right. And I'll repeat this just in case every in case people missed it. Florida's schedule next year is ridiculous. Brutal. I've never seen Florida have this kind of schedule. Uh, in the history, because you, you know Spurrier kind of would not schedule. I mean, it was tough enough with the SEC and uh, FSU every year. Mm-hmm. I don't know who was thinking what on this. Uh, it, it maybe you know Miami. I mean, but it's Florida State, Miami, and UCF in the non-conference. Okay. Yeah. Uh, why? Why would you schedule? You? I mean, you know, now two of those are at home. Stanford, uh, who played them off their butts a couple of years ago when Mullen got fired, comes in. Uh, then they got Georgia, uh, and then in the in the uh, in the conference they drew Texas A and M, Texas, Tennessee, Ole Miss, LSU, Georgia. <laughs> it's insane. So so what what is improvement next year? Getting to six or seven, and, and I, then like well that won't at, cut it. If they have a losing record this year, which they're going to be underdogs, it'll be an upset if they beat Missouri or FSU. Um. Looking at five and seven, Mike, that'll be the third straight losing season in Gainesville. I, that has not happened since before Spurrier. Oh yeah, you got to go back to uh, I think Charlie Pell, just, yeah. just to have just to have a head coach have two. That this would be two under Billy's watch. Yeah, and I, third I think in a Pell row. would be the the last guy. Yeah. Um, and, and and the other story, of course, coming out of that game is Jaden Daniels. I, I'm not supposed to talk about the Heisman vote, but I will tell you this: I've been I've been piping up Jaden Daniels since before the Week One kickoff. I thought LSU would win the West. Obviously, I'm going to be wrong on that, um, but I thought Jaden Daniels would be the Heisman of the SEC, which means you would likely be a Heisman candidate. He has been all everything as advertised. And remember, Johnny Manziel the year he won it, they lost three games. Lamar Jackson the year uh, he won it, lost three four games. Um, you can you don't have to be in the playoff to win the Heisman, and I I would hell Caleb Williams last year won the Heisman. That was a weird year, where it was like everybody that was a candidate just did something late to get kicked off the island. Um, Jaden Daniels, and I, I'll repeat this for the twentieth time: no one has played better college football in 2023. Than Jane Daniels. I thought that way before the 600 plus yards. I will say it again. Doesn't mean he's a lot to win the award. We still got games to be played, meaningful games, and he won't be playing in as meaningful games as some of the other candidates out there that play for Michigan, that play for Oregon, that play for Georgia, that play for Washington. He's not going to have that stage. But man, he, you could not ask for better football than what Jane Daniels has given you in Baton Rouge. He's a special player. Uh, so, you know, and I was doing, uh, you know, Spencer Rattler from South Carolina, right? He ended up in South Carolina because he was going home to Arizona State. And then Daniels decided to come back temporarily. And then Herm mm-hmm. Edwards got in trouble or whatever. And that All that NCAA stuff broke You out. play to cheat and lose. 
What a recruit for Herm Edwards, though, dude. He got the, he signed that kid. I he signed him, yeah. Hey, uh, Herm's hey, a great uh, salesperson. Uh, hey, man, I don't know if he can uh, coach for the lick, but he can he's, he can sell you on anything. He, he was a yeah. That, it, when they signed him, I was like, man, this thing may work out. Because I was scared because I kind of talked a little crap about it, you know. <laughs> yeah, but it, alas, it did not. Um, but uh, and he got fired on the field after losing to Eastern Michigan, which is awesome. But he's back. I saw him on TV the other day. I like him. I've met him a couple of times. Like, he coached the Under Armour game when I was working for ESPN. He was always very nice to me. So. I've said this about Herm before, and it's a lesson for all of us in life. You don't have to be really good at something. If you're a very likable and kind person to people, you'll go farther in life. Mm-hmm. I don't think Herm is, was ever a good coach. And he is what he is on TV. Um... But he's he's likable. Everybody I've known just said the same thing you just said. Yeah, I met him. He's great. Nice, super nice guy. That, that goes a long way. That goes a long way. Uh, a couple of housekeeping notes. First off, want to remind everybody of our great sponsors. You see some of them on the screen, including Elite Roofing and Restoration. Whether you're in uh, Georgia, the Carolinas, Florida, parts of Tennessee, Jeremy Johnson has you covered. I've been... Uh, a client of his for years uh, in two different states, as a matter of fact, and they have become the industry professional leaders in that category for more than 25 years in both roofing and construction. If you need work done in your house, they're also good at that as well. Home repairs, uh, just schedule a, a no-hassle free inspection uh, anytime. Give Jeremy Johnson a call. You saw the number on the screen uh, 678-781-1998. You can also email Elite Roofing and Restoration at gmail.com. Check out the website. Uh, they do fantastic work. And as always, tell them you heard about it on JC and Morgan. We've already had a few uh, listeners that have been able to take advantage of the great work and pricing that they do at Elite Roofing and Restoration. And for those of you, if you did not catch the Tim Brando interview last week, like so many of the interviews we do on this show, they're not time sensitive. We didn't just talk about you know whatever happened in week eleven. Uh, it really good stuff. Those of you that caught it loved it, and those of you that haven't, it's always there. You can go to the website jcnmorgan.com. You can uh, listen to it uh, after the fact on Spotify. Watch it on YouTube. It's everywhere. Uh, Tim always has a great perspective on so many things nationally that'll be relevant whether you listen tomorrow or a week from now, and we'll get back into the guest parade soon. We just have so many things going on, it's hard to get to all that. Speaking of things going on, JC, I know you've got things going on and ready to bounce to another show on this titan of a network that we call the Chief Sports Network, which is growing and growing. Uh, So we will bid farewell here, as a matter of fact. Our thanks to our producer, Phil Molinex, for keeping us technically sound, and to all of you for choosing us each and every week. Really appreciate the kind words. Number 220 is in the books. For J.C. and Phil, this is Mike. We'll see you next time on J.C. and Morgan.